Welcome to me. Is it that time again already? It is, it is, it is. Are we back in the corridor of uncertainty? If I look around, I can see that's exactly where we are because I know that I'm Stephen Fry and I know that you... A Stuart Broad. You are Stuart Broad. Those of you new to our podcast, we're here to talk all things cricket. And it's 2019, a year I've been looking forward to and every cricket fan has been looking forward to in this country at least. What a year it promises to be, Stuart. Cricket World Cup here in England. <laughs> Ashes series? Yes! What a proper feast that is. It is, it is. And so there's lots to discuss. And, of course, we're also going to be asking uh, as many of your questions as we can, though we're so chatty we don't always get through that many, but keep sending them because some of them are absolute peaches. We've got some lovely ones this week. Um, it, it, don't forget the hashtag, broad and fry. Hashtag broad and fry. So, uh, yeah, well, Stuart, let's start with this business of the World Cup. How big is it to you? I mean, two years ago, was it in your horizon? Did you think about it? Were you, were you imagining you were going to play or not play? Uh, I mean, I've been fortunate to play in three, I think, yeah. in 2007 uh, in the West Indies, 2011 in India and Bangladesh and Sri Lanka, and 15 in Australia and New Zealand. Um, None of which we got very far. No, <laughs> it's a melancholy but, fact that England has never won the World Cup. No, it's it, it's a shame actually. I mean, part, one of my great memories growing up as a as a kid was that 1992 World yeah. Cup. You know, when England got to the final, uh, it was an amazing bowling spell from yeah. Wazim Akram yeah. um, on a hat trick. And I I think you do get influenced by World Cups, and I don't think I've been as excited as a cricket fan ever. Uh, for this 2019 World Cup. I think yeah. because I look at the England side and go, you know, we should win it. Yeah, and and it's coming out of a dark place, which was the end of that Australia-New Zealand uh, World Cup, where we really didn't perform as well as we were expected to, and there was a lot of sh- head-shaking and dark muttering and press insult and all the usual that goes with it, with, it, with a disappointing result. And and do you, in some ways, was that the spark? Is that what, what got England into the place now where we are very much the fancied team, I would say the best one-day side in the world? And um, that's from being a disappointing side when New Zealand walked all over us and, and, and looked more glamorous. And Did we learn from that, do you think? Uh, I think we learned how not to play, <laughs> to be yeah. honest. Um, and, and that's what gave us this cavalier, this kind of, we will go out, even if it seems a stupid thing, we'll go out and we'll, we'll, we'll hit. Yeah, I think, I mean, Owen Morgan's, as captain's obviously been instrumental in that. I think yeah. he's great friends with Brendan McCullum, who sort of started yeah. that uh, New Zealand style of yeah. playing in that World Cup. Uh, and they lost to Australia in the final, but I mean, yeah, anyone can lose on a given day. But the way they played was... Was stylish, you're right, and and, and England have charming. have taken that yeah. on, and yeah. um, I mean we've never had a better chance of of winning, and that's uh, yeah, that's exciting. It's fun. It's you know, you've got players in that team who you just want to turn the TV on and watch. Um, yeah, I but mean, what makes World Cup so intriguing is that you have one bad day in the semi final and, and and you're out, you're gone. So it's it's dealing with that that pressure on the big day. It's, it's a true knockout and the format now is not a group format. Everyone plays everyone, don't they? So in theory the last four who come through will be the the best side. There won't be any lucky draws as it were. Yeah, and and the last few world cups have been won by the number one side in the world, which yeah. is encouraging because England are the number one side <laughs> yeah, in the world. So it. I don't know if that's me just trying to find <laughs> all the positives in the in the world to to, to make England win this World Cup, but um, cool, I hope we do. Yeah. And if nothing else, if people people could look at the archives, you know, that they could find online uh, and see what it means to other countries when they win. When India won, it was like the the most 
wonderful day in, in their history since independence. That's an obvious exaggeration, but it really was a cause for extraordinary celebration and, and, a, and an affirmation of self-belief. Wasn't yeah, it? I mean, Sachin Tendulkar even recently has come out and said that was the greatest day of his cricketing yeah. career, which as a legend of the game and, and someone who played 200 test matches... Yeah. That's uh, a brilliant thing for isn't him it? to say about fifty over cricket, isn't it? I mean, yeah. for him, w- winning a winning a World Cup in your your home city yeah. of, of Mumbai and uh, a billion people supporting you, how wonderful! But England have got that opportunity. And, and here's the thing about cricket: I think it's always true of cricket, at least in this country, and that is. You have to get almost up to the event before the nation gets excited. You you always wonder whether it's going to be slightly disappointing, this Ashes series, this this Test series, this because you think, well, there's not much buzz about it. But as we are now close to it, you can feel everybody suddenly talking about it and you, you can join in conversations with strangers in pubs and cafes because they're starting to talk about the World Cup and it can only grow. And I don't think people listening now will, who, who haven't experienced a World Cup, especially one on uh, English soil, um, will, 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 will realise just how, how exciting it gets. Yeah, you, just, you, need, you need special moments to happen to capture yeah. the, the public's imagination, mm, really. Mm. So uh, if the first game of the World Cup Joss Butler catches light and gets 170, then yeah. the interest in the World Cup from an English point of view will be huge. Yes. Um, I've found that uh, with with Ashes series, mm. particularly in England, you if something happens in the series in the first couple of Test matches, then yeah, the like scrutiny, Edgbaston the excitement, in 2005, it yeah. erupts. Yeah. And and that's something different to deal with as a player because yeah. as as an English cricketer. You do become under more media scrutiny, more media pressure in Ashes series and World Cups, and it's it's and you're exciting. On, you're on billboards. It's it's fun to yeah. cope with. You, but you're driving along, you see yourself on, you know, have many feet high on some huge billboard. Yeah, you? I mean, it's it, and you, and the country are talking about it. You know, you go into a pub and someone is saying, "Oh, what about that dismissal? Why did you bowl there?" You know, it's suddenly a conversation, which <laughs> yes. is gr- brilliant for yeah. the sport, but. As an individual player, you've got to find a way to deal with that. Because but it does it does sleep like 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 you know like flowers in the flower bed. It, it comes out in the summer. This 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 cricket love that Britain has, and um, you know, of course, we all know people who don't get cricket, and and and, and sort of maybe for whatever reason they'll they'll say insulting things about it. It was boring, or whatever. Uh, we know they don't know the game because there's the one word you just can't use about it. There there are, there will be some boring matches or boring periods in a match, but that's I. Would say especially of a you know the fact that it's a long game is that it's like um i'm going to talk about poetry here so you can turn off but you know you can get a poem that is just all action like you know the charge of the light brigade half a league half a league half a league onwards into the valley of death you know thundering and all that but then you can get an epic like 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 the you know the odyssey which is uh which takes uh, days and days and days to read and there are bits of it where you're going yeah yeah come on but then these climaxes these sudden climaxes come out of nowhere and then they die down again and then up again and then down again so the long form uh, of cricket is is also something to look forward to this Ashes series isn't it it's going to come after it because that people will go after the ODIs maybe oh do we want to watch five day matches now but they will because Australia are coming. Yes. Yes. Uh... Um, but back to the um, back to the ODIs. Uh, back to the World Cup. Um, who, who should we look out for first for, for England? Who should we look out for? There's a lot of talk of um, of Geoffrey Archer, of course, who's not 
like Jeffrey Archer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be a turn up for the books, wouldn't it? Yeah, it <laughs> uh, yeah Joffre. I mean, I don't know much about Joffre Archer really. Mm. I've um, obviously watched him on the TV. I've played against him once for for Nottinghamshire against Sussex, um, mm. and he's he's exciting. Yeah, and I think that's the, the biggest word you can use about him. Is the players that have played with him say he's very skillful. Yeah. Um, yes, he's untested at the the scrutiny the the next step up yeah. of of international cricket, but he's going into a, a change room full of confidence, full of world class players, yeah. and that's quite a comfortable place to go. You know, if you're a yeah. if you're a someone who's not experienced much of international cricket, and you go into a change room with your Joe Roots, your own Morgans, yeah. you know, there's a lot of experience there. It's yeah. a a calmer environment to to go into than it might have been. But in, if if you if you're sorry, yeah. But if you're hovering on the fringes, are, are you waiting for someone to fail before you can be fitted into the side? Well, that's the, it's a weird thing about sport, isn't it? You sort yeah. of are, but if you think like that, it gets you in quite a negative mindset, yeah. you know. So I'm a believer that a bit what what will be will be. You will get your opportunity if you keep doing the right things. Yeah. And um, you know, the thing that encouraged me about Joffre Archer when I played against him actually. Sussex lost a bowler to injury early on in the four-day game uh, and it was quite a strong performance throughout that game from Nottinghamshire but he showed great heart and great character you know he didn't burst through with quick wickets or or bowl a devastating spell but he ran in and continued to try and put everything in all day to which that's a character side of him which encourages me that he could succeed at the top level. Right, so it's not like he's trying to get a wicket with every ball and then when he doesn't, he starts getting a bit wild, but he keeps the discipline, as it were. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, there's, there's... It's a media dream, isn't it? You know, yeah. uh, uh, England, number one side, the best, best chance we've ever had to win a World Cup, yet there's a player come in who's new, untested, um, lots of questions. It's a great story. Yeah. It's one of those things, a bit like sort of Sam Burgess in the England Rugby Union World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if if we win the World Cup, it might be because we use Josh Archer. Yeah. If we don't win the World Cup, it might be because we put Josh Archer in. You know, yeah. if a bit like Sam, if Curran. we hadn't have picked him and we don't win the World Cup, it's because we didn't have Josh. Yes, Archer. exactly. So <laughs> it's true. one of those. There's a story whichever way. But Sam yeah. Curran last year was a similar example in a way. He caught the imagination a bit, didn't he? Because he he surprised everybody with how he could fit in at, at a pretty young age. Like yeah, that. and again for him. You know, I, my dad said something weird to me when I was about 14, 15. He said, um, international cricket is 80% mental, 20% technical. And I was like, well, I, I don't know what mm. you mean by that. But now I've played it for 12 years. I know that it's a character within the person. It's a, it's yeah. a mindset. Yeah. You know, a lot of people can bowl the ball or hit the ball or, or have the skill to play international yeah. cricket. But... Not a lot of people have the character to be able to not listen to everybody, to yeah. stick to their guns a little bit, to be stubborn enough in the mind to know what their strengths are. And that's where someone like Sam Curran impressed because he came in and played his way. Yeah. He stuck to his strengths at such a young age. Yeah. And if I could say anything to Joffre Archer, it would be you know, stick to what's got you to this place because you're being picked for England on the skill you've shown. Yeah. Um, and... 
you know, you've got the character to succeed. Well, it's and it's relax a whole and other question, of course. But um, yeah, you come from a cricketing family. Your, your father, Chris, was an England player and a superb batsman. Um, and of course, the Currens come from a cricketing family. Um, both Sam and Tom had their father, Kevin, uh, was, a, was a fine cricketer. So um, that, that's a, maybe a discussion for another time about the inheritance. But I, I was just interested. Did you become a bowler, principally a bowler? Because, you, you, you know, when you started out, you were very much a batsman, it seemed, in people's eyes as well. Because your father was so manifestly a batsman, did you think, I want to do something else? I'm not going to challenge him on his own ground. Or did you... I didn't. I actually had a growth spurt at 16 and a half. I grew a foot in a year, wow. um, which seems madness, actually. I just remember from that wow. year eating and sleeping. So you it's heard a, your bones creak. Yeah, that was the, yeah. the body growing, um, which suddenly bowling the ball from six foot five and a half bounced and, and moved yeah. a bit more. So... Uh, it was a bit of a turn of fate that turned me into more of a bowler than a, a batsman, but actually the best thing that, that ever happened because, well, A, I'm not very good at batting, but also... <laughs> hey, um, now, come on. But also, uh, I got away from those comparisons of my dad. Yeah. So I think yeah. if I'd have wanted to be an opening batsman, it would have been, always oh, dad used to do that. Always oh, dad used to get out like that. You know, it would, I think <laughs> yes. it would have been really hard to, oh, I saw his dad get out on 99. You know, it's, I think it would have been yeah. really hard to shake those comparisons. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get called Chris all the time. Um, you, it's just one of those yeah, things. But I, I, I'm, If I call you that, I might, because yeah, no, I no remember problem. Chris but so well. Uh, I'm very fortunate that but, bowling took over. Yeah. But um, you you decry your batting, and and um, you, as I said before, and uh, I even took a photograph of the honours board at Lords the other day because they've just got in, they've redone it. Um, you, you're one of the very few players who's, who's made a century and taken five uh, at, um, at at Lords, um, and and you don't have to talk about this because it might be kind of uh, annoying. But th- there's a sort of general view amongst cricket, cricket fans that it was the, the moment when you had a really bad smash in the face from a ball that you were never quite confident enough with short ball, short bowling ever since and that you, you didn't then sort of concentrate on your batting so much you allowed yourself to become just a bowler you know but but you know higher up than than a tail ender uh, yeah I mean obviously um getting hit in the face wasn't a pleasant experience <laughs> I see I mean I looking back at that I uh I top-edged the ball, which put more spin onto it, which made it creep through the gap between the visor and the peak. Yeah. And it just just hit me. And I, I remember I remember seeing blood pouring down. Um, and I, I, because of adrenaline, I didn't know what, what it had hit. I didn't know if yeah. it had hit me in the mouth, in the nose, anything. Um, and the next thing I sort of remember, the Indian players were great. So, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And the doctor was running out with the physio. But they were mid-lunch because it was only three balls after lunch. Oh. So they were mid-eating. So the doc had run out halfway through his curry and he was burping like curry at me. So I was like, doc, I don't need this. I'm not feeling overly great. Um, and off I went. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it would be, uh, I'd be lying if I said it hadn't affected me in yeah. some way, yeah. shape or form. Um, with my my batting, I've always classed myself as someone who tries to change momentum in the games. You know, I'd, I'd yeah. prefer to get a... If the if the game situation oh, twenty four yeah. yeah if the game situation um, dictates that actually twenty four off twelve balls is better than twenty four off sixty balls yeah. um, I feel that sort of momentum shift yeah. and that's how I've always played my cricket I'm not going to be yeah. someone who's been overly consistent or someone who is just going to be really methodical and deliver for you every single day yeah. but if I can shift a yes. little bit of momentum in the game. 
And that's what you're known for in your bowling, of course. Yeah, making furious stamina. spells, you get a hot streak. Yeah, yeah. and actually yeah. the streak the bars. captains I've worked with uh, the best are the captains who can sort of pick pick up, oh, you're on that sort of hot streak, just go yes. with it. You know, yes, like, like Brearley's fav- famous use of, of Bob Willis in the 1981 Headingley test. Yeah, so Some a captain saying, make something remember. happen to me yeah. is, just, is a great um, motivator. It, it yeah. infuses me for someone to go, rip this game open, come on, make something happen, get a wicket for me. Uh, instead yeah. of a two-structured, yes. come and bowl five overs for ten runs with three and, maidens. And, and famously, of course, you can amaze yourself. That, that, that round-eyed expression when Stokes took that catch off you during that extraordinary Trent Bridge morning. That, 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 you, know, you, you must look back at that and think, I didn't know I was ever capable of that. That must have shocked you in a way. Oh, it's, it still shocks me a little bit now. I see that scorecard come up. Yeah, what um, was it? What was the... We bowled Australia out. Oh, I, don't, I don't really look at this that often, but we bowled yeah. Australia out for sixty and eighteen point three yeah. overs, and I got eight for fifteen off nine point three. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want the rest of the scorecard? Yeah. <laughs> That's very good. Who wouldn't learn that? It um, was yeah, a breathtaking but, moment. In- Do you know what? What makes it um, almost extra special is it being at Trent Bridge. You know, ground. Your home ground. Yeah. I, when Dad was playing there, I'd be bowling on the outfields at three, four years old. It's a, a ground that I've always enjoyed and loved being yeah. being there so to to regain the ashes there yeah. is something you know a mile and a mile and a half from my house it's somewhat <sighs> something that just feels quite surreal and, it is the stuff of schoolboy legend it really and, is i mean that yeah. it was a thursday that we actually bowled australia out for the for 60 but actually the saturday where we won the test match yeah. only 40 minutes of play and genuinely the players that night on the friday night were thinking no one's going to come to the game no one's yeah. going to turn up because you know, there might be only half an hour, forty minutes of play, yeah. and I was like, "This is this is Nottingham. They love the sport. They will come and support <laughs> us." And the ground was full, and the ground was still full three hours after we'd uh, regained the ashes because the the players were out there yeah. signing, having great fun, and that was Woody was riding his horse. That was the day of sport <laughs> that I'll remember the most, probably, in actually celebrating yeah. with the fans rather than just celebrating a, a moment of. Um, Something that's special Personal, happened yeah. on the field. Oh, good. That's good to hear. Um, and before before we before we break, which we're about to do, I just want to uh, turn the subject to something quite different, but cricket related because it's you related, and that's uh, public houses, pubs. Yes, you uh, you have an interest in own or co-owner of, of of two pubs. I was told. Is that right? Two pubs. Yeah the the Cat and Wickets pub. Cat and Wickets Pub Company, which uh, my business partner likes cats, and Harry Gurney and I like taking wickets. So that's how that came from. Um, And you'll see a bit of a trend in how we name them. The the tap and run um, (laughs) came from uh, sitting in a in a pub actually with the Nottinghamshire teammates, and Harry and I said, "Look, we need a name for a new pub. What do we think?" And we had an hour of fight throwing around all sorts of Presumably names. Presumably said Silly Pint and Cover uh, Pint. The Night Watchman was there, you know, <laughs> the Scorer's <laughs> Pencil and everything. And uh, Tip and Run got mentioned and then someone said, well, what about the tap of a, a beer? And Tap and Run, that's where it came from. Genius. Very good. And and are they in Nottinghamshire? Well, they're, yeah, they're uh, about 20 minutes away from Nottingham, so on the borders of, of Leicestershire and Nottinghamshire, right. Upper Broughton and, and Wimeswell. They're, they're great fun to be involved in. I, you know, it's, um, I, I really enjoy going to a pub to see friends and family because you, you get out of the house and you yeah. get away from, you know, the telly and stuff and you go and actually have a conversation, which, is, which is great. They're, what called, they're what's called gastropubs. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. You take the food seriously. The food's it's not just serious. chicken yeah, in a basket. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm a huge lover of a Sunday roast, so it was uh, that was part of the influence, I think. <laughs> uh, well, interesting. Talking of Sunday roast, we, we spoke last time about your, your uh, the favourite uh, ground as far as food was concerned, and you immediately said Lord's. Which country would you say you enjoy the food of best uh, when, when you're touring? Good question, actually. Uh, South Africa's hard to look past. Yeah, you know, just, it is good, isn't it? Like beautiful steak with a nice glass of red is uh, yes. a bit of a weakness of and mine. It's not always beef, of course. It can, <laughs> yeah. it can be all kinds of um, animals. Um, they, I really uh, like Sri Lankan food, actually. I, yeah. it, as long as it's not too spicy, you know, yeah. if they can, they right. can be really spicy when you go over there. But it, it's, uh, I like the cuisine there. Yeah, yeah, you're very lucky. Do, do you find traveling the world that it has broadened your mind, as the old cliche goes? That you you have a sort of rounder view, you're a rounder person because you've spent time in in foreign countries, very far from home, um, sort of going to markets, talking to the people there, and, and the people from the side that you're playing against. Does it? I feel very lucky to have travelled yeah. as much as I have. It's um, it's one of the greatest things about being a a cricketer actually is the travel. You, yeah. you get to you're obviously limited to where you go. You don't travel to America much, etc., or, or yeah. Singapore or anywhere like that, Thailand. But uh, I've been very fortunate to go to India a lot of times, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, uh, the West Indies, South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, some yeah. some brilliant places. And and you make friends all around the world, which is which is also great because um, you know. I, very rarely do people get to travel so much with a job um, with friends. Yeah. And that's pretty much what playing cricket is. Um, And, yeah, I mean, we don't probably get to see as much of the countries as uh, cricketers used to because the schedules are quite packed. So a lot of the... A lot of the time it is, you know, an airport, hotel, cricket ground, airport, hotel, cricket ground. But, um, yeah, I've... I don't see much of England's November, December, January and February, which some people say is quite a good thing. I think it's a very good thing. But you imagine England sides, uh, you know, before the war, uh, before international flight, that they would go on a, on, a, on a ship for months to get to Australia. Yeah, you'd have a net on the ship. Yeah, they you'd would. Train. That's right. It's a weird idea. You'd hope it was quite flat. Um, and then, you know, uh, even travelling within Australia, it's a vast country. Can you imagine going from Adelaide to Perth? I know. those. Uh, well, those tours must have been months and months and yeah. months on, must not it? Yeah. Well, we'll talk more after the break. We all need to take a little time off, take off the pads, relax. So see you in a bit. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, there's been a change in the bowling. A refreshed Stuart Broad, armed with a fistful of your questions, has marked out his run. But before we release the beast, um, do you remember last week we, we uh, tried to help uh, a, a listener with uh, a definition of a, a googly, what it is and where it comes from? We thought we'd do one each week. And this week, I throw to you, um, Stuart, Nelson. What does that mean to you in cricket, Nelson? Is it a hold, a move? You pull someone's arm behind their back? Half Nelson, full Nelson. No, it's something else, isn't it? 
I feel like, I don't know, I, I mean, I remember David Shepherd. That's the very it. famous Gloucester, umpire. Gloucestershire player who became a great umpire. Any time like a pork butcher. 111 came on the scoreboard, he'd be on one leg. But I don't really know the reason why, should I? No, well, um, it's the score is 111, is, is a Nelson, a, a pure Nelson, 111. The, the theory, supposedly, was that Nelson had uh, one eye one arm, and in later life, one leg. But that's nonsense. He never had one leg. And actually, I can say it's also nonsense to say that he had one eye because he, 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 he didn't lose his eye. He only lost the sight of it. Uh, so it, it, it's shrouded in mystery. All we know is that 111, 222, 333, I think only for England, are considered unlucky scores for, for, for the batting side. So if you're, if you're batting and you're on 111 yourself or if your side's on 222 or if you're Graham Gooch, you've scored 333, <laughs> I suppose. Um, then... The thing is, I like to know what's unlucky for the Australians. Ah, that's 87. 87, yes. And do you know why? Can you, it, it's, 13 short of 100. Really? Good, top of the class. Yeah, because it's 13 short of 100. So a batsman is on 87. Do, and you're aware of this. So do, 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 you, um, do you taunt them if they're on 87? I think it's always nice to remind uh, the opposition <laughs> of um, something that might affect their mindset, so especially not, when they're that near 100. Yes, the nervous late 80s. So you suck in your breath and go, ooh, oh, he's on 87. Oh, is that unlucky? Is that unlucky? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a subtle diversion, I think, that we call them. Yeah, so the, yeah, that's the Nelson. And and the, the, there are some, yeah, you've 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 rootled some fact facts for us, haven't you? Some well, factoids. I mean, I've got two notes here which seem quite remarkable. The New Zealand cricket team, Nelson, played first-class cricket between 1874 and 1891. And in both their first and last first-class innings, they were dismissed for 111. <laughs> that is very pleasing. It's very you pleasing, get isn't get it? little moments like that in life. Because uh, Nelson's a town in, in New Zealand, yes. Beautiful so, town, yeah. Wonderful place, isn't hey, it? Yeah. There was also, this surprises me a little bit because it's unbelievable fate, but on the 11th of November in 2011... 11, 11, 11... South Africa and Australia were playing, and the time was 11 past 11, and South Africa needed 111 to win. Get out. So the majority of the crowd did the sort of one-legged David Shepherd, one-legged Nelson, oh, yeah. and the scoreboard read 11-11, 11-11-11. You just want to stop the world at that point and say, that's enough now. We can all... We can all die happily in our beds. That the, <laughs> the end times have come. The rapture is upon us. That is brilliant. That is great, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Um, now, uh, what we do, as I hope our, our regular listeners, i.e. people who've heard this once before, will know, um, is we read out questions, uh, Twitter questions. Um, and uh, I wonder what we've got here. We've got a, another big selection here. Uh, I'd like you. To, I'd like to know who you think is was the best looking cricketer ever. I'm going, not going to embarrass you now. Uh, my favourite two here yeah. could actually differ hugely, but I quite like your um, opinion on both. <laughs> What's your favourite ever innings in any form of cricket? Well, by myself. Oh, no, we don't, oh, need, to we don't need to hear about that. <laughs> that you've watched, and also, what's your favourite cake? Well, I, I'm going to say lemon drizzle, but I'm going to I'm going to yeah. put, put, put a little twist on it. Lemon drizzle polenta. Wow! Rather okay. than flour. Whoa. Have you ever made a polenta cake? Delicious. No. It's got a little, there's a little granularity there that I just can't um, I can't recommend highly enough. Favorite innings? Ah, well, people of my generation would usually say that uh, um, it was England's second innings in 1981 at Headingley, where both them. 
uh, out of nowhere when England were 500 to 1 against by the bookies uh, at the bookies to, to lose to Australia. Just uh, uh, did it extraordinary. You know, this was the helmetless days. Uh, there he was in his sweater. Just I could just picture him pulling and, 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 and making extraordinary shots and building and building in innings and everyone was going well well we're going to go down in flames at least and then and then a, 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 a bloke called Graham Dilly came on with him and 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 also started you know biffing around we they stayed around and everyone was saying well this is going to go into the fifth day because this was on a Monday Monday afternoon uh, and I can remember watching it thinking this is crazy we've got to watch tomorrow we've got to and I was supposed to be seeing someone I just left university and and we were having this meeting or something to which was going to be important in my career and I called up my my new agent and said, I'm afraid I can't make this meeting. He said, what? I said, no, there's something very important I have to do. It's really, it's a family matter. And of course it was, I, I wanted to watch this match. Um, and then it became the greatest, you know, extraordinary thing as both, uh, both made, a, I can't remember how much you made, it was a century. 180 yeah, or I think no, 149 100, maybe. I think it ran that, yeah. And uh, and uh, Dilly made 80 on, I think, maybe. Or well, maybe I'm giving him too much. But Bob Willis get... And, and Dilly made, took the last catch as well. Mm. Um, and then Bob Willis uh, um, uh, did his bit and uh, we put them into bat and they had such a small number to get to. What was it, 100? 31 or something God. anyway people would be shocked that I can't remember the exact number but I'm one of those people who doesn't carry the numbers in my head like some cricket fans do so you'll have to forgive me for getting facts wrong I'm in the right ballpark in every sense headingly and, and we won the test and, and then we won the series and it was just extraordinary and England went wild you you had to be there not until 2005 really was there such scenes uh, uh, I think um, but that, it was that Innings and what was a good like all cricket has narratives, doesn't it? I mean, there's the narrative within the game. There's that that relationship between that bowler and that batsman. There's the fact that he's going to change ends or he doesn't, and there's the weather. There's all these variables that make cricket such an extraordinary game. But uh, but there is also you know other kinds, and and, what, and this was that both of them had been captain. He'd been the England captain, and he'd been a disaster, and we'd lost. And at Lords. Pitiful second innings. He, oh, he, he got a he, pair, didn't he? He got a pair. He trailed mm. off, and you know that walk through past the members in their in their bacon and egg colours. You know their their, their yellow and uh, sort of orange striped blazers and goes ties very quiet when you get a naught. I know that absolute science. People looked away from him. It was it was you could oh it was frightening. And I only watched it on television, and I was scared. And they appointed this man Mike Brearley to be captain. Not a great batsman, though a fine batsman in his own way. Um, but a marvellous captain, and that so the both of them that made that innings was someone who was who was recuperating, who was, no, not recuperating, retrieving, um, re-establishing. He was he was reinventing himself. Well, the pressure was taken off him. Yeah, it, yeah. it was freed. exactly, freed. and it was just wonderful to watch. And he became the legend that is it Botham. So that's my. What's your favourite then? Uh, I'm going to have to say Alistair Cook's 294 at Edgebaston oh. against India. Uh, I'm saying that because I was a bowler in his team and I didn't have to do anything for three <laughs> days. I this laziness motif is coming out. We, uh, we, we won the toss and bowled on a slightly green-tinged Edgebaston pitch, bowled India out by T, and I don't think we got the bowling boots back on until day four lunch maybe it was just wonderful you know he's he batted and bat you know that sort of stubborn Alistair Cook Absolutely. that he just wasn't going to give anything away and actually do you know what I've never seen him as angry or frustrated getting out as he did then because really? I mean a hero of he wanted his, the 300 Graham Gooch obviously got a 300 yeah. um 
triple hundred Fellow sort Essex of boy, well, yes. very magical in Test match cricket, and to get so close uh, and to get out really frustrated him, I think. Yeah. Um, but as a bowler, I remember walking, you know, going to do my warm up before we go and bowl, and Ishant Sharma, the Indian bowler, walked past me and goes, "What have you been doing up there?" <laughs> Just like there's this bowlers' union where you sort of respect each other's work and all yes. that, and it, he was just he'd had enough. He was ready to sit down. Oh, I can imagine. That's brilliant. Yes, as to Cook, what a moment that was, wasn't it? When it, his his farewell to Test cricket at the. Oh, I mean, I'd never seen anything like it. That was the, uh, the, the it was magical. Oh. It was. Do you know what? It was actually one of those I was there moments. Yeah. But I was fortunate enough to be in the changing room with his teammates. You know, it was. I was yeah. watching it. Like I was in the stands, just yeah. praying that he was going to get over the line, praying yeah. he would get to a hundred. Um, and it was actually an overthrow. If yes, you remember. I do remember. I remember. So yeah. we were just—I was sat with Moeen Ali and Joss Butler, and we were sort of having a laugh and a joke for for twenty minutes, trying to calm our nerves. I think, yeah. and we saw the shot go out for one, and he needed three, I think, for his hundred. And we just turned, started joking and talking again. Uh, I think Moeen was doing impressions and (laughs) um, oh he's wonderfully funny Moeen yeah and uh, then we just heard this and we turned and Cookie was you know we saw Pajara chasing this ball (laughs) to the boundary and everyone was up celebrating and yeah, I mean, you couldn't have wished for a better yeah. better ending for a better man, really. I, I, I say this about cricket, and it's true about sport and only sport, and I'm afraid war. It's not true of my what I do, whether whether writing or performing. It's not true of any other profession or any other activity that humans can do. There is this one word that sport can provide, and that's glory. Yeah. And, and there are moments of glory in sport that are very rare. And when they happen, you just, <gasps> surge comes inside you. And you can't get glory in theatre or, you know, you can get good music and a marvellous performance. But that thing that sport delivers, oh, it's worth it's worth a lot of, you know, a lot of disappointment, isn't it, when you get a moment like that? It's oh. wonderful. Anyway, shut up, Stephen. Let's get to another good meaty question. I've got a nice one for you, oh, actually, on, from yeah. Jamie Sampson. It sort of veers off our uh, cricketing theme, yeah. but as a Nottingham Forest fan myself, <laughs> you're a Norwich City fan, I, am. I would love to hear a discussion of who's the bigger club. <laughs> well, will we be playing you next season in the oh, Premiership? I don't think so, yeah, I'm afraid. Nice start. Well, Forest obviously has a, has a fantastic... Yeah, uh, how many uh, European cups have Norwich won? Is it, uh... Uh, no, all right, OK. We had our moments, but the Heysel Stadium disaster meant we were stopped from playing in Europe, one particular area when we could have done, when we were third in the Premiership, unbelievably. Um, and we beat uh, Bayern Munich, and, you know, we had some great moments. But no, we haven't had an international, and we've been terrible at uh, FA Cup, a bit better at the League Cup, and the various names of the League Cup goes under these days that I can't catch up. Do you with. get to go often, or uh, me? Do I get? Mm. Yeah, when I can. I, I, I was uh, I was on the board for a while, which was wonderful as a director of the club. And uh, I, I, I will say this about our club now: it, it, it's not a big club. It's it's a it's a it's a country club. There are not many clubs. That, uh, um, I'll do a short version of my of my history of cricket um, and why it's different from football. But but. Um, I like to picture two 
groups of shepherds at round about the same time in British history, although Britain wasn't a country then. There are shepherds in Scotland and there are shepherds in England. And the shepherds in England in Hampshire, um, they, they, they're standing in front of a, a gate, a wicket gate as they're called, and they put straw bales on top of it and they say, I'll take my crooket, which is what they call their crook, shepherd's crook. So I'll take my crooket and you, you throw down a stone at me like that. And if I can hit it like that and I run up to that post there and I come back, I'll, I'll get two. But if you hit, if you hit my wicket gate, and you knock those straw bales off, then 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 I'll be out and you go in and I'll do that to you. And so cricket slowly developed on Broad Hapney Down in Hampshire and so on. And in Scotland, they were saying, hey, you see that uh, rabbit hole over there? I'll hit my crook and see if I can hit the stone in three strokes. I can get it in the hole, I bet you. And golf was born. Two huge games were born. But, but the, the point about cricket is is that it was a country game. It was a shepherd's game originally. And... and um, uh, and it's named the counties are Nottinghamshire and, and Somerset and you know and so on and 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 football of course is mostly uh, a, a very urban game a, a, a game that grew up with the industrial revolution so the teams of Liverpool and Bolton and Preston and all these northern powerhouse cities that had, had appeared in the in the in the nineteenth century were there just a few of them uh, uh, the football sort of went to the went to the country uh, and and went to Gillingham or, or Exeter and Yeovil and, and and Norwich is one such it's a huge county empty county Norfolk in some ways and and there's that club and, and it's not big but it holds all together, and and this particular season, there's credit to Delia, the great Delia, our you know uh, chief shareholder and and, uh, and inspiration is she and her husband Michael have had such faith in our academy that we have these extraordinary players like Max Aaron's. If you've seen him, he's a uh, he's a, 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 a back, but but he he, he really real playmaker as well, and um, it's the most youthful and talented, naturally talented side we've ever had. Well, we were three 0 up against you with ten minutes to go this were. year, and I was a bit I cocky, like it. oh yeah, we're going to be. The, yeah. the league leaders and all that sort of thing and then just we are the last oof. gasp team we always score in the, in the 90th minute God, it was reason. brutal watching as a Forest fan it was oh, like an onslaught yeah. and it almost felt like those three goals were coming to be honest yeah um well, I'd, but you honest. had your glory days. You're probably too young to remember uh, Brian Clough there. Well, you? unfortunately, yeah, I've uh, I've not seen um, Forest in the Premiership really. I, I've, yeah. We've got potential though. We yeah. we we are a big club. I know. We, yes. I know. Uh, a lot of people might not think that, but actually, you know, we're, we're a nicely, we're a wonderfully supported club, yeah. and Nottingham's a brilliant sporting city. Um, and you know, a huge dream of mine would be to watch my club in the Premier League. It's oh, yeah. Yeah. Very, it would be very special. Um, it is. This, you start, you start get, so getting your friends with season tickets to you're blagging. Uh, yeah, you want to go to the Emirates. You want to you want to see your team play in all those mm. famous grounds. Yeah. No, oh, there's, it's going to be very exciting with Norwich. We're, we're thrilled, and you know, we're under no losing some of our great players, Vrancic and players like that. That people are going to make moves on them, and uh, and uh, the wonderful Timu Puki, our Finnish striker, who scored 28 goals this season. We've got some real talent. Anyway, that's football. Uh, from football back to crickety questions. What else have you got? You said you had two questions for me. Well, <laughs> I would say back to crickety questions. Uh, our friend Greg James of the Great Tailenders oh, podcast oh, yes. with Jimmy yeah. um, has sent in. Does this make me, 
Bertie Wooster or Captain Darling, this <laughs> podcast? <laughs> Interesting question. Yes, I've been very lucky in my in my comedy career to, 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 to play with the best. And my dear friend Hugh Laurie, of course, was uh, Bertie Wooster to my Jeeves. Um, so, yeah, that, he was a silly ass, a bit of a fool. And Jeeves was the wise and sensible one. So I don't think that that plays. I, I, I fear you're a little bit more wise and sensible than I am. Oh, so, But as for Captain Darling, yeah, because I was this... General Melchit and Tim McEnany played Captain Darling. Interesting. I'm not sure. Do you know, I just suddenly had this picture. When we um, did the fourth series where he played Captain Darling, uh, we, we had a f- filming session in uh, in uh, Essex, the home of the Royal Anglian Regiment, because we wanted to do the uh, title sequence. I don't know if you remember it, but it's it's kind of a marching band, and they play the British Grenadiers, and then it goes into the the Blackadder theme, and and you see Blackadder and everybody marching. And the idea was that um, that I would take the salute on a horse. And, and I have the other officers, Captain Darling and George, played by Hugh Laurie, uh, 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 on horses either side of me. We'd be mounted, in other words, because we were... You know. and anyway, we arrived there, and the, 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 the colonel-in-chief said, oh, yes, yeah, you're playing the senior officer in this, are you? And I said, well, yes, yes, I'm sort of general, so I guess, yes. He said, uh, well, I think you should have my mount. He's, uh, he's very, very... Tame, very, very easy. Thunderbolt. <laughs> Thunderbolt. That's not a good name for a horse that's docile. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I hate riding horses. Then they hate me riding them. Anyway, I got on. Oh, it was wonderful. It was so it was docile. We, I mean, come on, walk on. I'm trying to remember the things you're supposed to say to horses. We got in the right position. Hugh and Tim next to me on their horses were also behaving very well. And then the band played. And the moment the first, it reared up like something. I mean, just unbelievable. And I was holding on for dear life, screaming in terror. There was, you know, a a concrete parade ground underneath me that seemed like eight foot down. And Hugh and Rowan and everyone else rolling around, vomiting with laughter while I was so nearly dead. It took about an hour to calm me down, let alone the horse. And, <laughs> and eventually, sadly, they had to build the little little parade boxes. Um, that's a completely irrelevant story again. But um, I can end it with a cricket one. There was um, a hero of the Second World War called Jack Churchill, who used to bowl hand grenades. His, he, he got a VC. And one of his tricks was he would, he would get a hand grenade and he would go, <laughs> he would go up towards the enemy where there was a Bren gun or whatever it was, a Sten gun or a German gun of some kind, and he would he would bowl like this. <laughs> just, Fast, leg yeah, spin, yeah, off spin. Well, that's it. It would spin, apparently. Yeah, he would. He managed to get something into it. And I think that's a very... I mean, that would make Jerry quake in his boots, wouldn't it? <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah, well, now, that, that interesting. Thank you, Greg James, for that question. You are far too sensible. Well, Darling was... Yeah, he was a mean-spirited little fellow, wasn't he? Um... I've got a question of my own, I yeah. think. Oh, go on. So superstition's something that's quite big in cricket. Oh, yeah. So you get a lot of habits that, you know, if you have a successful day, I suppose, you go to to make you feel comfortable in your environment. Um, I remember I sat next to Jonathan Trott for a long time in the changing room and he would you know, measure his socks when they came back from the laundry to check they hadn't shrunk. Um, oh. And if they, had, if they weren't matching... He wouldn't use them as a pair. Because they'd be unlucky. Because they'd be unlucky. I mean, I, wow. I do everything in threes when I'm getting ready to bowl. You know, I have to um, scratch my mark three times, bowl three balls to mid-on. I used to do three tuck jumps. I bowl three balls in my mind. So there's something about the number three that 
makes yeah. me feel calm and makes yeah. me feel in my own environment. I'm assuming in your industry, do you do you have the same superstitions? We, a lot of actors do, particularly on stage, more stage than film, because stage is repetition, whereas a film every day is different. You've done that scene and it goes to bed and you do a new scene, but in, on stage you, you come back in. Uh, and there are famous ones, obviously, there's, uh, you, know, you, you don't mention the Scottish play, Shakespeare's Macbeth, uh, or, or quote a line from it, or, or if you do, you have to turn around three, go, go outside, turn around three times and spit. It's, preposterous but and you know maybe the, the, it's because Macbeth is an unlucky play because it's it's a there's a hell of a lot of fighting in it and it's because it's set in the period that it is it won't be nice thin rapiers and uh, and foils like Hamlet it'll be big claymores and broadswords and maybe that's it um there's uh, you're not supposed to have fresh flowers in 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 uh, in, in the green room apparently um and uh, the, uh, the, the 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 but the personal one for me is is always the order of putting clothes on yeah, that's so, similar in batting. Yeah, yeah. is it? It's yeah. so important. Absolutely right. So, like, I, I did. I played Malvolio in the Shakespeare's Twelfth Night and in uh, the Globe, and then in the Apollo here, and then on Broadway, and and uh, uh, I got incredibly cross once when when I, I'd forgotten that I'd put my I put my hose, you know, these sort of tights you have to wear in Shakespeare plays. Uh, um, I put the left leg in before the right. So, uh, and I was late, and I t- took my hose off like that, and then I was called on stage. So I came on with bare legs, because I, I just literally, I mean, I, it was just weird. But the interesting thing is, a lot of, I had some friends in that night, and they all thought it was brilliant touch, <laughs> because Malvolio famously has to, has to wear garters in a later scene, yellow cross garters. So they thought I was setting up that something was wrong with my legs. But uh, yeah, there are, there are a lot of, lot of superstitious Mm. A lot of superstitious actors. And I I mean, it's because, I mean, acting is quite like sport in as much as you don't know you can do it next time. Technique is all very well. You know, you, 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 you have the best technique so that you're Laurence Olivier as an actor. You are the greatest, you know, you know how to speak verse. And there's a famous story about Olivier. And you probably, you, you might get this if, after bowling a spectacular spell. Uh, and, and this is, this is great because it's Olivier swearing, so cover your ears if you're sensitive. But he he played uh, he played a, a particular performance uh, one evening at the Old Vic that was so astonishing. He was already a, a star, and this performance was, uh, but it just hit heights, and the whole the audience stood on their feet, and the the, the applause lasted forever and ever and ever. When the curtain came down, he stormed off stage and slammed his dressing room door, and. And everyone looks, what's, what's wrong with Larry? He was brilliant. And Frank Finley, who was playing Iago, to, to, uh, uh, he, he, he was deputed to go and find out what's wrong. He knocked on the door. Go away. Larry, it's Frank. It's Frank. Go away. Said, but, but Larry, don't you know where you were brilliant That's like tonight? That's my job for Jimmy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he said, don't, don't you know you were brilliant tonight? He said, of course I know. But I don't fucking know Why? <laughs> and, and that's the point. You can't capture it. He knew that the next night he'd be fine, technically perfect, you know, he'd get all his lines right, but he wouldn't be that great. And he couldn't bottle it. He couldn't order it up. And, you know, you, you must know, know days like that. And batsmen... Uh, yeah, know, superstitions and routines for me, are, they're, they're a way of making you feel comfortable in an environment yeah. that's actually quite high-pressured. Yeah. So it's a way of you taking away all the pressures of all the potentially millions of people watching everything and you're breaking your mind down to doing a little habit that 
brings you within yourself yeah. to take the pressure away. It's also a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you've, if you've told yourself that and you haven't done it, you know you'll be worried needlessly. It'll, it'll needle you and you'll think, oh, shit, I'm not, I'm not right because I didn't do that. So you sort of have to do it even if it doesn't mean anything just for the... Well, I'm quite as a bowler in cricket, uh, Jeremy Snape once told me as a youngster, he said, the game can't start until you're ready which is quite true, actually. Yes. So it means if, I haven't, if I've forgotten to do my routine or superstition, I'll just do it and make everyone wait. <laughs> <laughs> it uh, beats the stress of carrying on. Well, unfortunately, stress or no stress, we can't carry on, he said, linking beautifully, because uh, the, the clock has beaten us again and the shadows have fallen and uh, bad light has stopped play. Uh, and we won't see our listening friends. Well, we won't ever see them, probably, but we won't talk to them for until next time. But if you have been, thanks for listening. And now Stuart will say goodbye. And before I go, I must remind you to please, please, please send your questions in to the hashtag Broad and Fry. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. <laughs>